Welcome to the Proven Principles Podcast by Knowing Hospitality, the show that deconstructs and demystifies the inner workings of the hotel industry. Here's your host, Adam Knight. Thanks everyone for listening to the show. My guests today are Michael Harper and Andreas Palmquist. They're the founders of Hotel Strategy Co., a hotel performance consulting company based in Australia. And our show today is about performance hacking or growth hacking. We're talking about the mindset and the strategies that you need to put in place to successfully lead your hotel through this pandemic and come out on the other end, best set up to take advantage of the upswing when it eventually happens. This was a fun episode to do. There are a couple of really great guys. I hope you enjoy it. So let's just get right to it. Michael Harper, Andreas Palmquist, Hotel Strategy Co. Enjoy. Guys, Michael, Andreas, welcome to the show. Great to have you. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Yeah, you bet. Why don't we uh, start off with uh, a little bit about both of yours uh, backstory? How'd you get to be where you are today? Andreas and I worked together many years ago for uh, for Ridges Hotels and Resorts here in Australia, and um, we had a pretty successful time then. We, uh, we had lots of jokes and um, high fiving and things going on at the time because we we actually kicked some pretty big goals at the the hotel we we're working at, and um, we had a, had a fabulous mentor there as well in uh, Tishnaya. And basically, many years later, Andreas remained heavily involved in the industry. I went off on more of a, a sales business development tangent, but we've joined back together and um, we just felt that because we had such such success back in the day, we thought we could, I guess, share that uh, that knowledge with uh, a wider audience. And uh, that's how we come together to form up Hotel Strategy Co. But maybe, Andreas, you want to touch on more about your, your background? Yeah, I guess it was about 15 years ago that, that we worked together, Mick, and Obviously, there was a lot of water under the bridge between um, drinks, I guess, and um, we got back together with you, I guess, getting a business or a wider business experience, and I sort of stuck around inside the the hotel world and very quickly sort of found my love, not in what I did way back when with Mick in in, in operations, but more in in sort of revenue management and, and the strategic side of businesses and thoroughly enjoyed that and have worked and done that sort of the whole time. So it made perfect sense to get back together with, with Mick about five years ago. I'd been consulting by myself and so had Mick uh, for a good four or five years and, and we could kind of utilize each other's strengths and we have ever since, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, that's such a great story about even in the hotel business here when people, uh, you, get a, you get exposed to so many different backgrounds and so many different skill sets and people still come together and, and you build these great relationships and and you never know where it's going to take you. That's always one of the things about hotels that that I've always loved. It's a huge industry, but you're bound to um, come across each other sooner or later. Yeah. They say, that yeah, ne- like never, never burn, burn a bridge. Any <laughs> <laughs> it's, true. it's true. It's true. So we got connected guys through a, a post that you did on eHotelier that I think was really interesting about performance hacking. And in this time of all of everything that's going on in the industry, which, you know, we could make an entire, in fact, we have made other shows about, but you can make a whole other show about. But performance hacking, I love this idea, especially now, because there does seem to be so much going on. It can be hard for hotel managers to know know, where to go and what to focus on. So like, how did you come up with this? What's your um, perspective, I guess, on the market with respect to performance hacking and, and where things are going? Look, really, the, the performance hacking was uh, was an article we put out, a, a series of articles. As, as we went into lockdown here in Australia in, in mid-March, we, we sort of got to work on, you know, how can we help everyone out there keep moving forward? And it was very much about that 
keep moving forward was, was the messages. And that particular article was, I think, about the fifth in a line of, I guess, COVID recovery articles that we wrote because the, the early stuff was all about what do we do now and that was about trying to turn the focus to the future. And we, we lent into that term of, of growth hacking, that entrepreneurial term, growth hacking. Ultimately, this is really what we do for clients on any other given day without a pandemic going on in the world. So it's, it's really about being nimble, trying to work with what you've got and finding those levels of optimization that will actually be purely focused on, on growth, finding that low-hanging fruit using that 80-20 approach. Mm-hmm. So that's very much, you know, like I said, what we do all the time, but we thought it was really important to start turning our attention back to those same principles and striving for growth. You know, and that's where we introduced the term performance hacking. And, uh, yeah, it seemed to, seemed to resonate quite well out there in the marketplace. I think Mick's, Mick's point about the, the, the fact that whilst it's very pertinent now with, with everything that's going on in the world, it wasn't really something new for us, jumping in and helping out clients out there, um, really it's about that 80-20 rule and about getting ducks in a row, I guess, about really prioritising and being clear in your head with the strategy of what's most important, what's going to have the biggest impact on your business straight away. Times were really good for so long that if you weren't succeeding when times were good, it can be even more difficult when times are bad. I mean, that's a very obvious statement, but we're seeing it across the board right now. And in good times, when it was easy to make money and you were filling your hotel, there's no doubt that there were some bad habits that were developed or maybe moving away from some basics just because people had the ability to experiment a little bit more without the fear of failure or failure wasn't going to be so bad. So when you're thinking about the performance hacking or growth hacking in the context of what's going on right now, are there any principles that you feel like we moved away from that we need to get back to? Like what, what are some examples of that low hanging fruit that you're advising some of your customers or some of your clients to go after? I think, first of all, the point you raised in your question in regards to, you know, trying things out is again, yes, the businesses are are struggling and, and taking risks might have huge detriment to your business. However, if you don't, I guess, try things out, or if you don't, if you don't try things out, I guess, test things, uh, test the market, et cetera, et cetera, you're not going, going to succeed. And I think the point, especially in flat markets, is that you might not have much, that much to lose if you try things out. And I think the, the most obvious one there, speaking as a true revenue manager, is, is you know, test like the, the, the most obvious things in a pricing sense is if, if you're struggling and you want to get more occupancy, you drop rate. That might not necessarily be the answer at all. And, right. and we found that with plenty of plenty of our clients. Back to that article is really what we um, pointed towards was there's some immediate things you need to take care of. And really, everyone should be well past that now. That was all about your um, your terms and conditions and becoming more flexible, you yeah. know, adjusting inventory, trying to cut costs, all that sort of stuff. And we're well past that. Like, we're now five months in, as is most of the world. Then we started talking about what are those... I guess, medium-term manoeuvres, and that's what Andreas is referring to there now, is what what sorts of things can we try that we haven't tried before? And, and we're seeing this with clients, that they're, they're actually taking on campaigns that they would never consider in a normal environment. It really gets back to that more open-minded thinking. Um, and as Andreas had referenced to, that, you know, what, what are we actually risking here by trying it? Often it's not much at all. you just mm-hmm. got to give some things a go and try and find those those new markets that you that you haven't 
considered before. So it's just basically changing your thinking altogether. But then we then start to encourage people to start to think more long-term. So while you're doing that, while you're doing the market manoeuvres and there's only so much you can do, you can, you know, there's only so much demand there, you just got to try and make sure you're getting your fair share and then let's get prepared for what's it going to look like in the future. And those who are prepared the most for the future, we think will um, will perform the best as as the recovery comes. And yes, it will be long and it will be protracted, but it's always about trying to get your fair share of the market because of the work you've done prior to. It's not that react on the day by dropping your price and trying to capture it then. You've got to do your homework. And the evidence of that is, you know, any of our clients that have been with us for some time that have moved through, uh, I guess, our program and, and a lot of our philosophies, they're the ones that have performed well compared to the market because of the work they've done in the last 12 or 18 months, not because of what they're doing right now necessarily. So we just need to have that eye on the future. No, I like that. I mean, there's a quote in the article, which I think sums that up so perfectly, is that when fishermen can't fish, they repair their nets. You know, it's, it, it's, such, a, it's such a beautifully said quote. There is no silver bullet, is there? You really need to have the systems, the training, the expertise in place to be able to be successful when times uh, are tough. Yeah, exactly right. And it, it's we tend to to use that terminology a lot. You know, there we wish there was a silver bullet, but probably mm-hmm. probably or there there isn't. And or alternatively, if you look at it this way, and say, well, the, you know, the silver bullet is made up of of lots and lots of um, individual pieces that that might get you into it. A big silver yeah, bullet. Yeah, right, there's, right, there's, right. There's, there's lots of things to do to, to, I guess, have that effect, of a silver bullet effect. Yeah, very true. So what are you guys seeing out there in Australia? You know, what's your perspective on how things are going? I mean, there's been some recent news about new outbreaks down there. I mean, here in the US, you just have to watch the news to see what's going on here. How has recovery been going there? If you asked me or asked us a month ago, we'd say it's going pretty well. As you would know, everyone knows that um, when something like this happens, and, and not that not that we've ever experienced anything like this before, but you know, it's it's a sharp downturn nearly overnight. Um, a recovery is always going to take take a, a, a long time, um, and certainly certainly not many of our, our clients or any of the markets were back to levels pre-pandemic, but they were mm-hmm. heading in the right direction, and and some of them still are. There are pockets here in Australia that are that are actually seeing. Year-on-year growth. Oh wow! Um, believe it or not, they're sort of in locations that I guess fit into that sort of perfect storm scenario where they're close enough to a major source market and can sort of shift. I guess or d- d- demand can shift from from a corporate sort of demand to more of a leisure-based, which which is really where where the appetite is. There's huge appetite for people to get out of the house and get away from what where they were after they were quarantined. So there's a huge demand for for people to get out and, and and go and stay somewhere and go and do something. What's I guess stopping that is 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 a, a number of, of border closures that we have between states. So that's sort of what's possibly halted that sort of recovery in some of the markets here in Australia, where where they are relying quite heavily. So our second second largest city of Melbourne is is in lockdown um, at the moment, but about four weeks into that, and that's certainly certainly impacting. Sydney, for example. Right, right. So taking a few steps back, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I think to add to that, like Andres is talking about some of the physical barriers that are, that are limiting travel around border closures and, and the likes, but I think there's also a second layer to that. 
around consumer confidence. So yeah. when the pandemic first hit, obviously none of us knew what was going on. We didn't know how bad this could be, would be, and as the numbers exploded around the world, obviously there was a, a lot of fear factor there. And as Australia, we managed it quite well, uh, giving ourselves a pat on the back early on and kept our numbers down or we got them down and they stayed down for a period. And that confidence came back into the consumer where you go, oh, you know what, but maybe this pandemic isn't so bad or at least it's not so bad for us. Our country's got it under control. So people started to move and that's the, the, the feeling we had only a month ago. And certainly leisure travel was moving, commercial a little bit slower, the business travel was, was a little bit slower and will continue to lag due to policy, I guess. But, you know, we became a little bit complacent and I guess that's where the second wave has come from. And through that complacency, but it's the confidence that drove that demand mm-hmm. and it's what will drive it into the future. So I guess what I'm saying is we need to keep an eye on what's the consumer sentiment out there and what's mm-hmm. the business sentiment as to is there something to fear out there or should we just get trying to get back to normal? Whatever the fear is whooped up in the media or borders are being closed, that impacts that confidence and um, it's that confidence that impacts the booker's decision or motivations to to book travel. That's the thing we I think we should be keeping our, our eye on, less so on the politicians and, and really keep a keep your finger on the pulse in that regard, if that makes sense for everyone. No, it does. That makes perfect sense. I mean that, that's a really good point. And as we get into budget season for 2021, you know, Ivory Hotel is now trying to figure out, you know, wh- what's next year going to look like. And if anybody can write a book, you'll you'll sell a you'll sell a boatload of them. But, you know, how are you working with clients right now with respect to everything that you're saying that's going on in the market there, trying to get a little bit of clarity into 21, or at least maybe into the first quarter of 21, when you're putting a budget together, understanding consumer sentiment, understanding there's still a lot of uncertainty and and a lot of conflicting government message out there. How are you working with clients? What are you advising them to do as they look at the new year? It's a clumsy question uh, that isn't coming out very well, but I think you get the point. Nah, you know. Yeah, no, we know where you're getting from. I, th- I, I think that what we tend to look at, I guess, is very short-term trends. Don't look too far ahead. A budget's a budget, right? That, it, that's, it's great to have, but um, it's not reality. A budget's there to be reforecasted daily. Yes, that's that's obviously important. It's certainly important for, for business owners and, and teams to work towards. But I think in the end of the day, Current month, next month is, is really where it's at. And again, you can only look at what's what's going on in the country. You know, things are things are heading in this direction today, and then it'll head to in a completely different direction the next day because of a policy or because of a message that's that, that's been out there. What we are encouraging clients to do, going back to that to the growth hacking article again, I guess, is just to completely have an open mind and, and always look for for those different opportunities that they may, may not even have considered in the past to top things up and make sure that they get the bumps and beds whenever they can. No, that's true. I mean, even just your point about reforecasting daily is, I mean, right now, 100%, you should be doing that. I mean, there's so many best practices from a revenue management perspective that may have fallen off the radar over the years. And, and reforecasting is one of those things that a lot of companies don't put the emphasis that they should on the process, you know, the budget's the budget. Uh, and, you know, for some reason you want to stick to a number that you decided was the right one in August of last year. And it's now October of the previous or the following year, you know, who knows in good times, you never know. And look, budget traditionally has been the barometer, you know, let's, 
let's look at what we did previously. Let's set a new budget and chase that. And then all things being equal, let's, let's chase that growth. But that barometer is completely out the window now. And it's, it's now more than ever, it's a market share game. And you just got to really take a micro analytical approach to what's happening in the market mm-hmm. and just make sure that, that that's the only true barometer you've got at the moment to say, well, to say you're down year and year is obviously saying the obvious is out the window. But to be going, you know, we got our fair share or we got more than our fair share is your only daily barometer that you can lean into mm-hmm. at the moment and for the foreseeable future. So, it's, mm-hmm. you know, we're just talking to all our clients. It's just a, it's a market share game now because that's the yeah. only thing that's going to tell you what you do, whether what you're doing is working or not. Right. Yeah. So you're still, it's still star before the star report before just about anything else. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's, it's, it's the most relevant, relevant benchmarking to be done. I agree. That's a good way to look at it. I mean, growth hacking, performance hacking, there are, I mean, we, we all know all the different programs and rating agencies and, and every, every little thing that we like to put in our way in a hotel to make us think that we're doing a good, a good job. You know, whether it's, you know, you, you name the program, uh, you know, you get five stars, you get a great rating, whatever it is. But yeah, you know, market share at the end of the day, you know, you want to know how well you're doing against the guy across the street. And it's, it matters how many people are coming into your destination and how many of those people you're getting. I guess the only thing to, to add to that, I guess, is that what we tend to focus on is, is the rev par market share, not necessarily just, you know, getting an extra person into the hotel, but actually mm-hmm. making them, making the people that come into the hotel profit, profitable for the hotel and looking at that, that rev par line. Yeah. When you're working with clients to that point, what are you doing to help them understand what's a profitable guest and what is a piece of business that you just shouldn't go after? I might be t- uh, divulging trade secrets here, maybe at a high level. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's, 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 it's a good question. And, and I guess to that individual level, it's very hard to you know, say a week out or, or even on the day if, it, if they're going to be profitable or not. It's still, I guess the point is, it's still about yielding. It's still about getting that, that extra dollar out of, the, out of the client or out of the guest as much as you can and making sure that they, you get their whole wallet, you know, make sure that they, they dine in your restaurant, make sure yeah. that they um, use your meeting rooms if they're, if, if they're still traveling in business, et cetera, et cetera. Are there any resources out there that you're finding are constrained in hotels? Is there anything that's been pulled away as a, uh, as a reaction to what's happening right now that we need to find a way to either get it back in or maybe there's another avenue that hotels can go after to try to get that resource back that, you know, maybe it's a, maybe it was an employee or a position that had to be let go, but you still need that expertise. What are you seeing? I think a little bit more holistic when you talk about what resources are, are in short supply. It's really human resources in themselves are in short supply mm-hmm. because the operational labor that's come across GMs and all staff for that fact has, it's basically doubled to do half the job they used to do. So human resources full stop are, are just completely under under the pump. So I think the, the reflex to that is to then try and cut costs somewhere else, to find efficiencies, to trim the fat more and more and more. Mm-hmm. And then what tends to happen is when we want to try and find new efficiencies, we then start to look to technology, which I think is a, a smart transition. That, that's, that's great. But there's a couple of things within this. The first point I want to make is that if you're, everyone's under the pump at the moment and, and specifically short on human resources, 
So the reflex is to try and save money, cut costs, find efficiencies. I just want to say that you can only cut costs so far. You can't save your way to profit. At some point, you've got to find some growth. At some point, you've got to get the revenue in the door to get the profit profit back to where you want it to be. So yes, do what you've got to do from a, from a cost-cutting point of view, an efficiencies point of view, but don't stay there forever. And the other trick is when GMs, being so busy, they, they then start to drop the ball on performance. Because they're so damned in the operation and, and tied to it, trying to cope in this new world, that they're dropping the ball on, well, watching the numbers, the performance, the, the star numbers, market share, all that sort of stuff, and being focused on back on the fundamentals of what you're going to do. So if they then look towards technology to try and find that new shiny object, that new silver bullet to try and flick that switch, uh, A, it's not going to be happening, but my advice would be, and this is, I guess, what underpins our whole philosophy, is that don't let technology lead your strategy. Create the strategy first and then find the technology that's going to suit the strategy you're trying to implement. So, yes, look towards technology to find some of those efficiencies and find some new new revenue growth, but have the strategy in mind first before you go to market. I like that. And, you know, it's reasonable to say that as we move through this and we kind of get into, you know, several years from now, there's no doubt technology is going to play a huge role in how hotels operate from everything. You know, I mean, you're going to see most likely, you know, more proliferation, you know, from a revenue management perspective, bookings, making that process probably more efficient and easier to manage a little more hands-off potentially. But even, you know, you're seeing now stories about room service robots and uh, housekeeping robots. I mean, it's not, you go to a grocery store here and you've got these self-checkout things that are, that are everywhere now. They're ubiquitous. Probably pretty reasonable to think that there's going to be check-in kiosks. That's going to become kind of the norm as we, uh, as we go through probably the next, you know, three, four, five years. With that, maybe I'm leading the witness a little bit, but, you know, how do you see hotels changing? Andreas, we, we spoke a bit about this a number of times, didn't we, how certainly business travel will be changing? Yeah, yeah. We can only um, philosophize, I guess, this far out. But, we, but for the right. next, for the last four or five months, I guess, certainly here in Australia, and I think it's uh, very similar around the world, obviously, people have been encouraged to work from home. Companies have uh, probably saved a fair amount of rent by people working from home. So I guess the question is what's going to happen into the future? I mean, there's a few positives coming out of, of, of I guess, the, the change that has to be has had to be implemented. Not only, I guess, cost savings from that perspective, but certainly the people from a commuting sense uh, has to commute less. There's less congestion on the roads, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I, I think there'll be companies out there in the future that that see benefits out of this, uh, out, of, out of I guess the way that they have had to operate, they've been forced to operate going forward. So it's probably not impossible that there'll be companies out there that that will encourage their, their staff to work from home or at least periodically work from home. And I guess you know, tying that back into our industry, you would therefore think that the need to actually get together as a team away from the office might increase. There might be more demand for those conferences, um, more regular conferences, more travel into, you know, to um, meet up. Mm. elsewhere and therefore a, a higher demand from business sense for accommodation, short-term accommodation. I don't know if that's a, um, 
a great hope of mine, but I think <laughs> it, it certainly does make sense that 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 it could it could develop into into something like that. I guess there is that as as um, offices in the city stay empty, they too need to try and work out a way to to fill those offices. So that's that's yeah. um, what we need to watch out for. Absolutely, yeah. No, I couldn't agree with you more. There's no doubt in my mind that somebody's working on an app right now that's just going to revolutionize what we're doing. So, you know, if you're working on that app, reach out to both of us because I'm sure we would be <laughs> interested to hear what uh, what you got cooking up. Guys, before we wrap the show here, from a growth hacking or performance hacking perspective, is there something that listeners could do right now or an area that they should put their attention to that is going to get them started off on the right foot, that get, get them going in the right direction? What should they be putting attention to right now? My recommendation would be twofold. First of all, going back to basics around everything to do with how, you, how your business is seen in the public light. Go back and reviewing all that sort of stuff. We, we, we call it a hotel health check or, or a gap analysis, but you're reviewing anything from your, your digital footprint, your online visibility, through to more of the internal workings and your, your front desk teams and all that sort of stuff. So run an audit over your company and from that audit, identify some actions that you can take. Sorry to jump in, but the key to that, I guess, is to run it as, as a consumer. Don't do it as, you know, this is what I always do, so therefore I know exactly what it looks like. I don't need to follow that through. Actually, oh, yeah. audit it as a consumer and, and critique it as, mm-hmm. as a consumer. Mm-hmm. And the, the other thing that I'd probably focus on is that first part, that'll help you be ready for the upswing, mm-hmm. right? You'll, you'll maximise the, the, uh, the market share having done, you know, use this time to do that work now. The other thing is, is much more future-focused uh, talking about room service robots and, you know, some of this pie-in-the-sky stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, we'd all like to be on that next big thing. We'd all like to be the one that develops that app you're talking about. And uh, I, I don't think nobody's necessarily got that answer right here, right now. But those answers come out of, um, I guess, strategic meetings with your teams, getting multiple heads together. It's not that one person just going to sit there and go light bulb. It's actually getting people in a room and taking yourselves through a process of what does the future look like? And, and a, um, a video we recorded probably four or five years ago it was actually uh, was one of our COVID things we reinvented as well. So future-proof your hotel was mm-hmm. the concept. And the idea sort of five years ago was that at some point in the future, we thought, felt that the technology playing field will level out. Five years ago, there was quite an indifference of people using technology, not using technology, and integrations and RM systems and all, all sorts of stuff. But at some point, that's going to level. And the thought process was, well, okay, when technology levels out, what's going to stand you apart? So it forced this thinking around, thinking outside of technology to what's going to set you apart when everyone else has got equal technology rather than using technology as your point of difference, so to speak. Now, what that looks like right here, right now, not sure, but you need to get your team together in a room and actually think about that and say, well, you know, put COVID to the side. Let's have a think about what does the hotel industry look like in the next five, six, seven, eight years? What can we dream it might be? Mm-hmm. And by dreaming that and writing it down and putting it up on a whiteboard, from that, ideas can spark. And some of them might be pie in the sky, but some might be worth chasing after. And the point is, if you think of, if you can dream it now and think about it, 
you can actually start to put plans in place and, and bend your organisation to that path and be right on the front foot um, if and when it comes to, comes to fruition. So that would be that second activity I would really encourage you to get your, get your teams together and just bury yourselves away for a number of hours, socially distanced, of course, and, um, <laughs> and have a, a, a thrash out of what the future looks like. I think that's a fantastic advice and probably a, a great high note with everything that's going on to end the show. It's great advice. Cool. Thank you, gentlemen. <laughs> really appreciate your time today, uh, Michael and Andreas. Uh, if everybody wants to uh, get a hold of you, learn more about what you're doing, uh, where should they go? Yeah, certainly just uh, just head to our website. It's our uh, the cornerstone of, of everything that we do there. So hotelstrategy.com.au and uh, you can find all sorts of uh, resources on there and uh, learn all about us. Perfect. Good stuff. Guys, appreciate it again. Thanks for being on the show today. Thanks, Adam. Great. Thanks, okay. Adam. Bye. Bye-bye. If you want to learn more about Michael or Andreas, you can find them at their website, hotelstrategy.com.au. We'll link to it in the show notes. And as for those show notes, our past episodes and other resources, you can find everything about us at knowinghospitality.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Thanks for listening to the Proven Principles Podcast with Adam Knight. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. The podcast is brought to you by Knowing Hospitality, a full-service hotel management company that puts your performance first by rethinking the management model. Visit knowinghospitality.com to learn more. Until next time.